Guys, thanks for listening to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. I also want to thank the following sponsors for their support of this podcast. Without them, this podcast would not be possible. I want to thank the Go Hunt Insider, uh, Lorenzo Sartini and his crew over at Go Hunt. They have created the Insider, which is an amazing tool for you guys that are researching all these different western states and looking for which units to apply for and put in for. Uh, They also have the Go Hunt Maps, the Go Hunt Gear Shop. Uh, Right now, go to GoHunt.com, click Sign Up for the Insider. Uh, Use the J. Scott promo code. You're going to get a $50 Go Hunt Gear Shop gift card just for signing up. Go Hunt's been with me since the beginning of 2015. When I started this podcast, they've been a very loyal title sponsor of this podcast. I want to thank them for their support. Make sure to go and sign up for the Go Hunt Insider. Use the J. Scott promo code. Guys, I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That's K-U-I-U.com. Kuyu Ultralight Hunting is a direct-to-consumer uh, brand that sells the best ultralight hunting equipment and gear on the market today. Uh, you can go to KUIU.com, KUIU.com, and order directly there on their website. I also want to thank Phonescope.com, Cheston, the guys over at Phonescope. Go to Phonescope.com. Anything you order there, use the JScott23 promo code and you're going to get a 10% discount there at Phonescope. I also want to thank Lathrop & Sons, their custom boot system and custom footbed manufacturer. Uh, These guys are the boot doctors, the boot gurus. Um, They're very, very helpful. They know a lot about boots. Uh, I have switched this season to the Lathrop & Sons Encompass boot. Uh, That's what I've worn primarily on my coos deer and mule deer hunts in Mexico. And then I use the Mountain Hunter uh, for my sheep hunts, uh, specifically desert sheep. Uh, in any of that uh, more technical terrain, uh, Lathrop & Sons has a phenomenal 3D mapping imprints and, and tracing kit. Uh, they make custom orthotics, uh, just really, really comfortable, uh, very user-friendly boots and custom insoles. Uh, go to lathropandsons.com. To find out more information, you can also check out Lathrop & Sons on Instagram. They have three custom boot options, the Mountain Hunter, the Mountain Hunter Elite, and the Mountain Hunter Encompass, as well as the High Country Synergy Footbeds Custom. Uh, They also make all of these custom footbeds in wide and super wide, as well as the boots, which is rare for a boot manufacturer. Reach out to the owners, Stephen and James at Lathrop & Sons at 618-544-544. 8782. That's com. Guys, I want to thank you for supporting this podcast. Love to hear your feedback. Uh, any questions you might have, you can reach out at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. That's my email address. You can follow along on Instagram at jscottoutdoors. Always feel free to send me a direct message. Love hearing from you guys. And let's get right to these episodes. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. This is your guest host, Cliff Gray. Today I have Jace Guyman on. 
who guides for Apex Outfitters, and he has a ton of exposure to many of the units in Utah across pretty much all the species. So we're going to go into detail on a bunch of the, bunch of the different units and you know maybe some overall strategies that people can think about when applying for Utah. But first, I actually wanted uh, Jace to give us just a quick update. I know there's a, a couple kind of you know, legal things and, and those sort of things going on with trail cams and lions um, on several fronts in Utah. And I think, including for myself, it'd be great to hear about those and kind of get the quick update. So, Jace, thanks for the time, man, and welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Sure, man. So, yeah, give us the lowdown on on these things. Give us the quick and dirty. I keep seeing Instagram posts of, of people that, are, that seem to have, be a little bit uh, upset about a few things that are going on in Utah. Yeah, so it, it just kind of came in like a freight train. Um, everyone sort of figured out about it yesterday. It's one of our, our legislatures, Casey Snyder, introduced a bill um, essentially outlining some new rules on lion hunting and trail cameras within the state of Utah. Um, the gist of it is with the lion hunting, we're entirely, we're looking at entirely deregulating them. That's what this bill would do. It would take them off of basically out of being a game species, there will be no tags, no season dates, no units. Um, essentially, as long as you have a combination license or a fur bearer's license, you can shoot a cougar 365 days a year in Utah. That's kind of how, how Texas is like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, I, I'm curious, what's the, it, it seems at least from my exposure, that there's kind of a consensus amongst a lot of hunters on this that are not, they're not big fans of it. Am I getting kind of a biased view on it or is that the, is that the, it, how do you feel about that across the population of hunters? What do people think? No. So I would, I would say 95% of hunters are mad about this and, and not necessarily because of the deregulation of lions. There's quite a few guys that hate cougars essentially. I mean, they kill deer, they kill sheep. They're mm -hmm. definitely an apex predator, but um, the thing is the way it came about, it went through okay. directly with a legislature rather than through the, the RAC that's regional advisory council in the state of Utah. We, every wildlife issue is supposed to go through that channel. The, the regional advisory council is made up of a bunch of locals to, to their region, essentially that boots on the ground experience. They know what's going on and they vote on the issue. And then it goes to the wildlife board. Um, a group uh, gathered from statewide, there's members from all over the state, um, and then they vote on it, and then it finally goes to the Division of Wildlife and the biologists to make the final say. Um, by going directly through the legislature, it skips all those channels, and now we can't revisit it on a biological level. We can't. Um, the DWR doesn't have the authority to change this if it is signed into law by the governor. I, I got you. So it kind of circumvents a lot of what we're what we're what we're used to in terms of like wildlife management. Exactly. And it takes it out of the hands of our biologists and makes it so it's very difficult to make changes if we see it necessary. Like say we we slaughter the lions and then there's um an issue. We need lions somewhere. There's a population, whatever, and um not not even that. I mean they're they're a beautiful animal. We need some on the landscape. They have a right to be here. And sure. Um, so it's it's just it's a bad way to do it. It's it's not the way. And so a lot of hunters are unhappy about that. I would say it's pretty 50-50 on whether they're okay with 
not having lions. They just don't like the way it happened. Right. But, but a big um, chunk of hunters, a big chunk of hunters, they, they, they don't want way less lions. You know, there's even that component of it, but, but I get what you're saying. It's, it's more the process that scares, scares the most, the vast majority of hunters. Exactly. And, and Utah's been in a while, in a predator management plan basically for the last couple of years. So we've, we've taken almost all of our draw units for cougars and turned them into over the counter units. Anyways, they've just had caps and quotas and the division is still monitored it closely in season dates. And so this would just basically be free for all on the cougars in Utah. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I get it. Um, and I can see, see folks concern on that. Um, Jason, what about the the trail cam deal? Is that is that the same? Is it is it all looped into the same like uh, process, or are we talking about different different uh, issues that were introduced? <clears throat> yeah, so the trail cameras we visited through the rack and board process last year, and they chose to ban trail cameras for use for take, which means if they directly aid the taking of big game, then that's illegal from July thirty first through December thirty first. Um, so unregulated the rest of the year, but July 31st through December 31st, they couldn't be used for take. And so it was kind of a good compromise. You could still use them for scouting, um, whatever, but it made it so that you couldn't say, especially cellular trans uh, transmitting cameras, you couldn't have a picture sent to you say, oh, I need to get to this canyon now. That's where my target buck or bull is. Right. And so really, it, it wasn't a terrible thing. I, I disagree with non-cellular transmitting cameras being regulated, but now it's been retabled and, and this new legislation would would say no cameras, period. Whether you're a, um, just a nature lover, you have no intention of ever hunting and you're just monitoring wildlife for your own enjoyment, it's, it's illegal to have a camera on the landscape July 31st through December 31st if this bill goes through. Is that on private property too? No, so that that is the exception. Cellular transmitting cameras would be banned on private property still. Okay. But regular cameras would not be. And and the the wording would allow for like say a, a CCTV camera or a like a time-lapse camera as long as it's not a la- not capable of being activated by motion or heat. That's the the wording they used. If, so if it doesn't can't be activated by motion or heat, if it's just a time-lapse or a continuous feed camera, then it is, it's legal for take. And so it really doesn't make sense. It's kind of a poorly thought out law, really. Yeah. It sounds like a good deal for the guys who sell the storage, like the, the, you know, the hard drive storage you put in them because they're, because now they're just going to have cameras that take pictures constantly. Right. Yeah, exactly. As, <laughs> as long as it's just constantly taking pictures, if, if it's not able to be set off by motion or heat, it's totally legal all year long even even for take you can use it directly in correlation with hunting so i got you it it doesn't really make sense (laughs) yeah all these laws are i think it's tough when they when they you know the through the process it's tough for them to get to like some sort of compromise so sometimes there's it's always the end solution is is maybe not always perfect you know what i mean yeah but uh good deal jace thanks for uh for updating us on that man uh, let's jump into the Utah draw. Uh, Jace, could you give us a rundown, like when when the applications do, and and uh, and I, has it changed this year? It seems like I I've 
some other years I've, I've already done them. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. So that, that's actually a really good thing. It's, it's kind of an about time rule that, that Utah has made. Um, yeah. Previously, we've had our rack and board meetings discussing the final tag allocations for every unit. And, and that takes place after the draw, the application season is open. And so the, the division of wildlife hadn't even decided how many tags they're giving to each unit before you had to apply. So they've now changed it. The, the new application season is March 23rd through April 27th. And all of our meetings will be done before then. So you'll be able to get on the division of wildlife, the wildlife.utah.gov and look up each unit's tag allocations, what what they're planning for that unit, where the tags will be going, what seasons, what dates, everything prior to applying so that you can ensure there's a tag for you on that unit. That, that was the issue is, say they cut one sheep tag from a unit, that may make it so no tags go to a non-resident. And previously, those non-residents could have applied for that unit that didn't even have a tag for them. Oh, right. And yeah. I that, that can't happen now. Yeah, yeah. So that just makes logical sense for that to change. And then from my perspective, somebody who applies to like multiple states, it's kind of nice that it, it's, it almost like aligns with some of these other big states like Colorado, that sort of thing. So when I'm getting my mind around like doing that application, I can think about also like what I want to do to Utah, that sort of thing. I feel like Utah was always early. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We were one of the first applications to come to be due and then one of the last draw results to come out or draw results will be posted on or before May 31st. And so the end of May. And so it was a huge window between you and when you applied and when you found out if you drew and now that, that window's shortened, it makes it a lot more convenient. Sure. Are there any other changes on the, on the draw front that people should know about Jace? Yeah. So we, you talk entirely restructured their elk management plan this last year. Um, big changes happened. It's um, statewide, they'll be lowering the age objective. And so guys that are are dead set on killing a 380 plus bull when they come to Utah, it's going to be a good idea to try and get their points burned if at all possible. Obviously, you can't plan on that if you're not a max point holder, but um, the the age objective of all Utah units that were managed for older age class bulls, it used to be the age structure was seven and a half to eight for our premium units, um, six and a half to seven for the kind of the mid tier units, um, then five and a half to six and then four and a half to five. Um, they've done away with the four and a half to five age objective units. They've either raised that to five and a half to six or else they've turned them into general season units. Um, they, okay. they kind of just realized that that was too low of an age objective and those units weren't producing the way they should have. And so they did away with it. The five and a half to six is their sweet spot. That's where they've, they've decided they can give the most tags and still maintain some form of quality. And then the, the premium units, the seven and a half to eight year old age objective units, they've lowered by a full year from seven and a half to eight to six and a half to seven. And then the six and a half to seven age objective units they've lowered from to six to six and a half and so it's a statewide bump down in age objective for our elk gotcha is that is there speculation on or, or have they put out that that's gonna like the extent that that's gonna increase the quota of tags in the units is it like big increases or what does that look like jace 
Yeah, so for the seven and a half to eight age objective units, um, the big game coordinator said that essentially that could allow for a 50% increase in tags. He said that that's not what they plan to do, and they haven't released those numbers what they actually will do. I'm guessing it'll come in somewhere around a 25% tag increase. Gotcha. And that and that's uh, all of this is um, relevant to putting into the draw this year. So if I... If I'm putting in for these units that used to be, um, you know, managed for a higher age class, I can expect that when I apply for them this year, they might be, they're probably going to be easier to draw. Am I, is that the right way to think about it? Um, yes, they, they are adding more tags, but they've also redone the tag allocation system. And so um, people will have to be careful with their application there. You need to look at what season you want to apply for. Um, the early rifle is the the most popular. That's September 20th to the 24th. They've shortened the dates. It was previously a nine-day hunt. It's now only a five-day hunt. And I forget what the percentage used to be, but I think it was like 20% of tags went to the early rifle. Now on each unit, only 10% of the tag allocation will go to early rifle hunts. And so on our premium units like, say, Boulder, Beaver, San Juan, even Pavant, Dutton, and Monroe, those units, I don't think that there will be a single max point tag for non-residents. So it'll, you're, there will be a tag available, but it'll be a random draw tag. So your points are, are point, they're, they're pointless. Your points yeah, are pointless. Yeah, I got you. But um, yeah, so, you, so you'll have to be careful on that early rifle hunt. They've cut the percentage of tags to that hunt and it's going to really affect non-residents in particular ability to get a tag there yeah i got you so one big takeaway is that if you've been applying for utah elk year after year and you haven't really been thinking about it you you really got to look at it this year because the dynamic could could change a whole lot for the what you've been putting in for yeah the both season duration the the dates and the tag allocation have all been greatly adjusted um, they've, they've added a, a new rifle season to units. They've had it previously on a couple of the kind of mid tier units and it's, it's a mid season rifle. So it starts October 7th. It's a 13 day hunt. So it'll end on the 19th and that's where 30% of the tags for every unit will go. And so that's going to be your best draws is that mid season rifle, but it's kind of a, it's a different hunt because it's the very tail end of the rut a lot of the oldest bulls have pulled away from the cows already and are um kind of off doing their own thing they're not they're not rutting anymore you can get some rut activity depending what are, on what are the dates again um october 7th to the 19th okay sure um so a little bit later I mean, there's still going to be some rut activity but it's not the prime rut dates of the other yeah. of the muzzleloader or archery or early rifle yeah, so it's like very similar to if people if listeners are familiar with like Colorado's first season dates, it's gonna be real similar. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And Utah, the the issue with that one though that people need to be aware of before applying is that it coincides with a a deer hunt on some units, a rifle deer hunt, and it also is the spike elk hunt. So the general okay. season spike elk on every unit coincides with this hunt. So the mountains are going to have a lot of people. I gotcha. Good deal. And then on uh um on elk, Jace, if 
if you're speaking to a non-resident, do you have like some general advice or on units? And you can be as specific as you want to be, Jace. Like if there's a group of units that people should think about or specific ones, uh, let me know your thoughts on that. <clears throat> yeah. So it, it depends on the individual's goal. Um, you basically need to look at the age objective that will tell you um, the units that are managed for that six and a half or five and a half to six year age range are going to be your best draws. They're going to have pretty good hunting. They're, they're not a premium unit by any means, but um, so for example, the Manta central mountains, Manta unit, the central mountains, Nebo unit, the fish lake unit, um, the Wasatch unit, these are all units that are giving a lot more tags. They're managing for basically they're they want you to be able to have a 320 bull on that unit. There's if you scout and you hunt hard, 320 is very realistic. All these units do have bigger bulls. There's a chance for a 350 plus bull on any one of these units, but it's definitely not an easy hunt for that caliber of bull unless you're if unless you're planning on going guided and you you talk very specifically with your guide and outfitter what they think is realistic you shouldn't plan on a a 340 plus bull even on on those units but they're your best draw odds gotcha is is the access in those units that you just mentioned is it pretty similar across across units yeah they're all pretty pretty heavily roaded there's minimal private property on all of the units it's it's pretty standard throughout that you can you can have both areas that you can get away from a road and and find some exclusivity you can be alone in a canyon essentially but there's also easy areas you can glass from a road you can spot bulls across the canyon and sure um, they're all pretty similar gotcha good deal and then uh you mentioned it jason i'm going to ask like the general uh the spike season um that is that resident only or can non-residents do that also no, non-residents can do that as well. The, this general season spike elk, it's a over-the-counter tag. You can just purchase it. I believe they go on sale July 14th. I may be off by a day or two there, but it's in July. And and you can buy an early, buy that that rifle elk tag. You can do an archery tag as well. Um, it's just preference, but that is a over-the-counter tag available to everyone. Gotcha. Good deal. Is there anything else we should cover on on elk, Jace? Um, just hurry and look through the rule real quick. I'll scan it, see if anything. Yeah, popped. no, I mean, and don't don't worry about it. Just it's uh um, Utah's Utah's in interesting to me, like strategy wise. <clears throat> uh, I've got, I've got a, I've got a bunch. You know, do you know one thing? You alluded to it, but I want to make sure the viewers understand this. How, how are the tags? allocated in terms of there being a preference point uh and we, we can talk about it in the context of non-residents because that's going to be most of the viewers um a, a preference point tag and or a random tag like in a unit can you can you run through that yeah so um utah gives 50 percent of all of their tags every, every unit to max point holders um and, and so if you're a high point holder, 50% of tags are reserved for you. Um, Non-residents only get 10% total of, of all tags that Utah gives out though. So you're looking at a fairly small pool, 10% um, allocation to non-residents, then 50% of overall tags go to max point holders. And so if there's 
say there's 10 tags on a unit, um, only one tag is going to a non-resident. And if there's only one tag, then there's no max point. So it'll go to a random pool. Um, if there's, say there's 20 tags, then two tags go to non-residents. One will go to the random and one will go to a max point holder. Yeah, gotcha. Yep. And so that's, uh, that's, that's obviously relevant when you're looking at, you know, applying for these different units. But like you said, this year, it'll be nice because you, everybody's going to know that ahead of time, correct? Yeah, all that data will be released and, and you'll be able to access it and, and look it up, find out if there's a tag available for the hunt you want, especially if you're a max point holder. If you're in the random draw, um, obviously, it's still important to know how many tags the unit's giving. The more random tags, the better. Obviously, you're just statistically, but that also affects quality. So it it's based on your personal preference. If you're wanting one of those premium units, say the the Beaver, the Boulder, San Juan, Dutton, Monroe, Pavon, units like that, they they're not going to have very many options for non-residents. Yeah, I got you. Good deal. All right, man, let's talk about deer. Uh what's the what's the what's your overall opinion on 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 deer in Utah right now, Jace? Like if you know, if should somebody be thinking about trying to hunt it soon or is it going to get better? What are your thoughts? And I know it's, it's just a guess, but I want to hear it. <laughs> um, so statewide, we've kind of had a downward trend. Um, they are doing a lot of deer management efforts, trying to increase our deer herds in a lot of units. Um, good things in general for deer, but our populations have been on a downward trend. And so if, if you're looking to hunt soon, sooner is better, but if you're looking 10 years down the road, it's it could potentially get better. Um, sure. This year, kind of a, across the board, all species, this year is going to be a little bit of a risky one. Utah's got the most snow. The, the statewide, I believe, we're at 230% of our annual snowpack or something like that. It's ridiculous. We're, we're covered. The DWR is feeding deer in the northern units. Our southern units are the deer are, are fairly healthy, but they're definitely snowed in. And so it's there's potential for a late start to the growth season for both deer and elk. And so this year, I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant to tell people to burn their points this year. Um, the snow could present a growth issue. But in general, I would say deer, it's, um, it's a good time to hunt them. We have a couple of units that are doing really well. Good deal. Um, it... it do you have like some unit recommendations for a non-resident, Jace? Yeah. So once again, I know it's a hard question because you don't know how many points the guy has or, or anything else. So I guess let me, let me reframe it, man. If you, if you've got some go for it. But the other question is, is uh, the, the general tag. I've never hunted the general deer, deer season in Utah. Um, how does, how does that work? And, and what is that? What, what should people's expectations be if that's what they're planning on doing? Yeah, so Utah's general deer are they're tough. There's it's definitely not an easy hunt, but we do have great bucks on every unit. There's not one general deer unit that's not capable of producing a 180 inch deer. Um, so if you have the time and you really want to want to work hard and get away from roads and scout hard, you can kill big deer on Utah's general units every year. Gotcha. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do an add-on question here, man, because I'm actually I'm staring at Jace's YouTube channel right here, 
And I see uh, you've got a Colorado hunt video on here. You actually got a bunch of cool videos. So I encourage everybody to go check them out. Um, but like, so your Colorado deer hunt that looks like you went on last, last season. Uh, how many, how many points did that, that, that unit take you, Jace? That unit took 14 points that year. I, okay. I believe I had 16, but it, it was a pretty high point unit. Have you, have you hunted, uh, have you hunted deer, uh, any other year in Colorado? Um, I, I bought clear back when, when they were cheap before Colorado redid their landowner tag, I bought two different landowner tags and hunted the same unit. I killed two 170 bucks back to back years. Okay. Gotcha. That's the only so, other. So you've never out. hunted like a low point Colorado unit, like a one or two point unit or anything? No, I've, I've been with guys that have, I've, I've. Oh, okay, cool. Got a decent it, that, amount of knowledge on it. It was like, it, it was a long, it was a long lead in uh, to, to my question. So it, so you've been exposed to like these, one, you know, there's a lot of units in Colorado that are one, two, three points, that sort of thing, or even zero. Points, yeah. You know, like low point. Units. What, what your gen, like, what's your feel for if somebody's hunted Colorado and those type of units, how does that compare to the general season in Utah for deer? Um, I would say the majority of the Utah general deer units, you're a little bit lower quality than those one and two point units in Colorado. I Particularly if you're you're hiking it in some into some backcountry basins in Colorado, they have a little higher potential. Gotcha. But but in general, like in terms of how the difficulty of the hunt, maybe the density of the deer, it, is it pretty similar? Yeah. Yeah. On a general Utah unit, you can expect to see a lot of deer. You can expect to see a lot of up to two-year-old bucks. It's it's that three-year-old and older age class of mule deer that starts to get hard on the general units. Yeah, I got you. Just, just a lot of hunting pressure. Yeah. Cool. Got you, man. All right. Well, dude, I'm going to leave it up to you, Jace. What species you want to talk about next? Um, we got sheep, goat. What do you think? Let's go bison. Let's yeah, there you go. There. Go for it, man. I see you got one of those on here too, on the, <laughs> on the YouTube channel. So yeah, give me the rundown. Yeah, I, I kind of played the, the draw odds. I only had 16 points and I, Utah made archery. They've, they've been doing really well about giving archery opportunity. They're doing archery only units or hunts for every species. Now there's, those are available for sheep, for um, goats for bison, everything. And so I kind of gambled. It was the first year they had an archery only tag for that unit on the bison and put in for it and, and won the draws. I was able to go hunt and, and killed a really nice bull. So that's cool. good. But, um, the bison in Utah are doing great. Um, the Henry's unit and the book cliffs unit are two bison units. Um, there's antelope Island as well. That one is it, it's kind of its own story. If you're interested, look it up. It's ridiculous draw odds. It's, in my opinion, not not even worth looking at. But um, the yeah, book cliffs and the, so, the the odds are so rough. And does does yeah. it even, do all these places have uh, non resident tags? So I don't I don't actually know on Antelope Island. I'd have to look that up. I, that's okay. how little I've paid attention to it. But yeah, book no, cliffs no, and no, no, both no big do. Gotcha. They've they've just added a, a non-resident archery only tag to the Book Cliffs unit. Um, I believe they were already a, allowing that last year on the Henrys. Um, all seasons, all dates, whatever, you're going to be able to find bison. Um, the earlier the season dates, the better they get pushed. And <clears throat> both on the Henrys and the Book Cliffs, there's areas they can go to to, to escape the pressure. The Book Cliffs have 
some very remote canyons and they have an Indian reservation on the edge of the unit that that they can push into and, and escape the hunting pressure. And then on the Henry's, they have unlimited desert surrounding the mountain that they'll push out into. And I mean, they can get 15 miles from a road out there. So yeah, I got you. Um, earlier, the better, but you're, you're definitely gonna have a good hunt regardless of season dates. You'll be able to find bison if you hunt hard. Yeah. Well, and give us the the brief on like what the hunts are like, you know, I, I've, I've hunted, I've, I've hunted bison, um, or I've, you know, I've been with people that are hunting bison and in more of, I think probably how most bison are harvested in the States. You know, a lot of them are in high fences or a lot of them are, you know, fairly accessible areas. What, what, how does this hunt compare to that? And what does it look like? Yeah. So Utah's cool. It's, it's a really fun bison hunt. It's by no means a canned hunt there. It can be really tough. It can be a grind. Um, you're hunting on, on the Henry mountains. There's, there's a lot of YouTube videos you can look up of deer hunters hunting it. And <clears throat> the Henry's go up to 12,000 feet. They're a really tall mountain range and the bison are all the way from the desert floor out, like almost the level of Lake Powell, um, okay. all the way to the, to the top of that 12,000 foot peak. Oh, really? Um, I've seen bison on the very peak of Mount Ellen. That's the highest peak down there. And, and they're, they're there. So it's a fun hunt. You can hunt anywhere from the uh, high mountain timbered scree, scree slopes on the henry's it's a pretty cool unit so cool that's definitely, uh... definitely unique it's it's not the typical you pitch your bison roaming the prairie and you're shooting them out in the sage grass and this this is not that it's it's neat it's a cool hunt yeah i can even see like in this uh the thumbnail of your video here just the backdrop like to me it, it doesn't look like it doesn't look like the the standard uh bison hunt so sounds uh sounds awesome they're 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 a freaking neat animal man um oh, yeah super they're... super fun to skin too huh oh yeah not <laughs> <laughs> like pulling fingernails <laughs> but uh cool man hey, out of those you out of the units that you know have a non-resident tag do you got a preference <clears throat> towards one of them um i would i would say probably the book cliffs unit the the bison herd is the age class is a little bit better it's it's a cool hunt. You'll see a ton of mule deer, not necessarily big deer, but you'll see a lot of deer. You'll see a lot of wild horses. You'll see a good number of bison. There's elk, there's bears. It's it's a really neat mountain range and gives a good opportunity for the hunting. There's two units within the book cliffs. There's the roadless and the roaded. If you don't have access to horses, you're going to want to avoid the roadless unit. Sure. Um, it is doable, but you're you're going to want 10 friends to pack your bull out, yeah, your cow out after you yeah, shoot it. Yeah. But, yep. but that would probably be my, my recommendation of the two is the book class. Gotcha. Good deal, man. Let's, uh, let's talk sheep. Yes. The sheep are, are doing pretty well in Utah. You know, we sheep throughout the Western United States struggle. They're a fragile species. They, they, they get pneumonia, basically the, the blue tongue from the domestic sheep. And so there's die-offs and then they'll come back and then they get infected again and die off. But right now Utah's sitting pretty good on most of our units. And you guys um, have, have desert. You guys have oh I'm sorry, yeah, go ahead. You're you're, yeah, you're, desert, you're, you're starting to answer the question as I asked it. <laughs> go <laughs> yeah, for it, man. Perfect. And we we have desert bighorn and the the Rocky Mountain bighorn. We have both the the Cal we have California bighorn as well, a smaller subspecies oh, right. of the Rocky. Um, that's on, I think three units and then the rest are the Rocky mountain bighorn. Um, our desert sheep units, we have 
a couple of really good units. It's definitely not the genetics you have like in Arizona. Um, some of those those states with the giant giant desert sheep and our our previous best unit, the Zion, has had a terrible die off, and I wouldn't recommend applying for the Zion unit anymore. It is it's really struggling. You're going to struggle to find a a five year old plus ram. <clears throat> um, but the majority of the other units are, are doing pretty well. We have the Kaparowitz East, the Kaparowitz West. They're both, I believe they give more tags than a lot of the other units. So they're good options to look into, but they are kind of the premium units. So draws aren't great if you don't have max points. Um, then there's there's other units. There's the San Rafael North, San Rafael South, um, San Rafael Dirty Devil, the Henry's and Potash unit. They are all native Utah genetic sheep. They're so they're smaller subspecies. Our our further south units, we've had a lot of transplants from Arizona, Nevada, other states with bigger genetics. But these other units are are the native Utah genetic sheep. So in general, they're smaller, but you can still find an old, you know, class four, class five ram. Beautiful sheep, good ram, fun hunt, just a little bit smaller subspecies. Yeah. And you know, it's it's funny you mentioned mentioned that, Jace. I uh I've hunted them in Colorado. My wife actually drew a tag a few years back. And then I've hunted I've hunted deserts with with Jay in Arizona. And uh you're you're not talking about like minimal differences. There's it, desert sheep, it's a pretty like the genetics on them is pretty stark differences. Yeah, you you've got the the Nelsoni deserts that basically the Arizona the nevada they've they've transplanted them up from there to units like the zion when it was previously good and all the pictures you see of wildlife photographers in utah typically that zion unit sheep from before this die off okay and they have that wide flaring look and you're talking 170 inch desert sheep these native utah sheep they tend to be shorter a little more compact their bases are smaller. They're just all around a smaller sheep and a, a yep. big native Utah ram is 160 inches. That's that's a giant. So yeah. and on a horned animal, 10 inches is big. That's a lot. It's very noticeable. So yeah. And I mean, you know, and that's kind of I think Colorado is probably real similar. And Colorado, I don't really care what anybody says. I've I've seen a lot of the desert sheep uh in in the different units and 160 inch ram in colorado is a very big one um yeah you know that's that's kind of maxed out so it's probably pretty similar yeah yeah then our, our rockies our rockies are doing kind of the best opportunity to get a tag for a non-resident would be the california genetic sheep so the newfoundland unit and the fillmore oak creek unit and i believe there's one more i can't think of it off the top of my head but um they're the california genetic bighorn and so they're kind of the same thing as the utah genetic deserts compared to the arizona deserts the california bighorns are significantly smaller a, a big rocky is 180 inches a, a big california is about 160 so yeah and uh, and and no big deal if you don't know jace but so the, obviously Places that have the California subspecies, you've got them in Utah, you got them in California, and I actually have a buddy that has them in his in his British Columbia area on the Fraser River there in BC. Is, is there uh -huh. anywhere else that that subspecies exists that you know of? I I don't know. I huh? Yeah, yeah. I was just curious. 
Um, cause you don't hear about it a whole lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, there's really not too, too many areas. I don't know if there's any more than what we've just talked about, but, um, if there is, I, I doubt there's many. So, yeah, I got you. Cool. And those, those sheep hunts, uh, that you, that you mentioned, is there a big differential in access on them, Jason? Are there some areas where, you know, you really got to go with an outfitter or most of these hunts do it yourself style hunt, or, you know, the possibility of do it yourself hunts. What What's your thoughts on that? So nearly every unit in Utah has potential for, for do it yourself guys. Um, you've got the, the Escalante unit and some of the, the San Juan units for the desert sheep that you, you probably don't want to even attempt on your own without an outfitter, but like the Kaparowitz units, there's, there's potential. It's, you definitely have better odds going outfitted just just the way it is that local knowledge can't be beat yeah, but sure. there is potential there's roads there's glassing points um nearly every unit in utah um as far as rockies we have one unit that you probably really wouldn't want to attempt as a non-resident unguided that's the jack creek unit it's it's got a river that you almost need to float the river you don't have to but it opens up a lot more avenues I if you, you do to hunt it that's that's probably the only rocky unit that I would say is a hard hard pass for non-residents to attempt unguided. Gotcha. But but all other units, it's pretty good odds if if you're willing to work for it, do a little homework, and go out and try it yourself. You're probably going to be successful. Yeah, and you know before we jump into the goats, uh, Jace, I, I, it might be helpful for people to kind of understand the dynamic in in Utah uh, and you're going to have to fill me in here a little bit too, but, but you can guide in Utah. Uh, can you guide all the public land, Jace, or how does that work? Are you limited or in just in general, when somebody's looking for a guide or outfitter in the different areas in Utah, how does that work? Yeah. So each outfitter that you have to have um, your BLM fees paid for that unit. And so some outfitters can't guide on some units. Um, but generally, if you call an outfitter and they're unlicensed on a unit, they're going to recommend another outfitter that they trust and they respect that is. And so um, the best you can do is just reach out and ask. And, and most guys are pretty good. They're, we have some pretty good outfitters in Utah that work together and and whatnot that can point you in the right direction. But basically not everyone's licensed everywhere. So you do have to kind of pick and choose that way. Yeah, I got you. And I'm sure, you know, it it sounds like you, you know, and I, and I, I've heard this from other people that, that, you know, you know, a broad selection of units, but there's probably, you know, you probably are not, you probably don't want to guide every single unit just from like a, you know, a knowing the, knowing the land uh, sort of thing. So I'm sure there's people that specialize in certain parts of the state or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I got you. Good deal, man. Let's, uh, let's talk goats. Yeah, so goats, goats are doing good in Utah. We have a couple of um couple of really good units. Populations are doing well, age object age classes doing well, everything we've got. Um probably the beaver unit would be my number one pick. It's it's probably one of the best. Um, but you've got the beaver, the Dutton, the Willard Peak, you've got the Uwinas. 
the LaSalle's, they're all all doing well. Goats in Utah are, are doing pretty well. Our populations are on the rise. They've made some new units recently, um, in the past few years anyway. And in general, goats are doing well. There's the new archery only hunts. And I'd have to look what the tag allocations are to non-residents, but I know that was going to be made available to them. And so I think that's on the Nebo unit and maybe one of the one of the Uinas units that there's archery only hunts. So that's that's great draw odds. That's gonna have a lot less people applying for it. Um are, and are those are those relatively new, Jace, or are they or have they been around the archery only tags? Yeah, so I think two years ago was the first year they did them. Maybe even just last year. They're pretty new. So kind of a cool opportunity that the Utah Archery Association and and a few other groups have been really pushing hard trying to get archery-only opportunities opened up, both to help mitigate the point creep in Utah due to lower success rate, obviously, of archery hunts, but also just give people that are, are hardcore archers that additional opportunity. And so it's pretty neat. But, yeah, fairly yeah, new hunts. I uh, Actually, just a couple of days ago, I uh, I interviewed a guy for the Colorado draw and he, he used to actually guide for me. He was an employee of mine for like five or six years. And uh, we used to guide goats in the same areas in Colorado. And we were talking about archery goats and I actually think it's a pretty fun hunt, you know, an archery goat hunt, um, particularly for like, you know, for somebody who's not afraid of the terrain and, you know, has a certain level of comfort in that terrain. I, I yeah. actually think that they're, they're an animal that, that kind of, it seems a little counterintuitive because they're in big open country a lot of the time, but man, a lot of times just that nasty terrain, it's, it's, you know, you can manage to get a pretty good archery stock on them, you know? Yeah. Well, they're as far as Utah goes, I think they're the easiest species to find. And so you, yeah. as long as you're in great physical condition, you've got unlimited stock opportunities. You blow one, you go on another one. It's yeah, pretty yeah. fun hunt. I haven't personally got to do it yet, but I have a couple of friends that have, and they've all been successful and, and had nothing but good to say about it. So, yeah, yeah. Well, you'll, uh, I'm, I'm sure with like looking through all the hunts you've done, I'm sure it's not too long, man. You'll, you'll be on one. They're fun. Dude. I, I had a period of time, Jace, where, uh, that I was obsessed with them, man. Like I was, you know, I was guiding like four or five of them a year and I just got obsessed with them. And I, I think they're a really cool animal. They're so, I don't know. They're like they're uniquely adapted for how they live in a really just crazy way. You know, you know how like you you know you you skin and quarter a, a elk, you skin and quarter a deer, you skin and quarter maybe even a little bison's probably got a little structural difference, you know, in his body. But they're all pretty similar. You know, their body looks similar. Yeah. When, when you skin a goat, it's like, oh yeah, this animal's living a little bit different life. You know, like their <laughs> shoulders are just a are you know, damn near as big as their hind quarters. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's big, beefy um, front end. And... Yeah, yeah, just a different thing. You start looking at their feet and how they're, you know, just the different way they work. And you're like, oh, yeah, this thing is developed for some very nasty terrain. And they're just, they're a cool animal, you know. Um, do you know when when are, when are the seasons for them there? Do you know, Jace? Um, I, I would have to look it up. I, I think it's around like September 15th is when they open. And then it... It's like a 30-day hunt. Okay, um, so you have a pretty good chunk of time. Yeah, they're all once-in-a-lifetime species in Utah have a really good season yeah. dates. You've, you've got a long 
more than most guys have vacation time. So yeah, yeah, sure. No, I hear you. So you got some time. That's nice. In Colorado, you know, some of them are some of them are only a couple weeks, and yeah, I, it's it's nicer for people to have a, a longer period of time. Um, yeah. Jace, the what other spe- what have we have we have we missed anything, man? Um. Well, there's oh, there's moose. antelope. Yeah. I, oh yeah, yeah. Hit antelope, I, and you have some moose too, right? But it's pretty limited. Yeah, moose. Utah moose are struggling. We really can't get our population up, and and that's our that's our highest max point species. It takes more points to draw moose than it does sheep in Utah. So yeah, I don't really. I mean, it's kind of off know, the table for non. Yeah, a few guys have drawn tags that like you you help out on or whatever, but it's not something I focus on. It's yeah, I got you. But yeah, antelope, Utah antelope are doing great. That's, we have a lot of really good units. We've got, um, my backyard is the Centerfell swell. That's, there's desert sheep. It's the the north and south Centerfell units for desert sheep. And then it's the north Centerfell antelope unit. And that's, that's probably Utah's premium antelope unit. Probably the very best. I mean, I mean there's one or two other units that might compete, but really you, you've got great odds finding an 80 inch type goat like 78 to 82 really good antelope um potential on the north center fell you've got the fillmore oak creek unit it's kind of similar uh southwest desert similar a little bit lower quality the parker mountain unit that's that's one of our bigger populations i know the state's been kind of trying to lower that population they've been given a lot of doe tags I got you. Um, but still a lot of antelope. It's a really easy hunt. Basically, all of Utah's antelope units are easy to find goats. And then yeah, on, on the, the couple of better units, then a 75 inch to 80 inch goat is very realistic. So gotcha. really a good a good state to apply for antelope in if if you're interested in them. Good deal. Hey, I see there's a couple a couple of bear hunting videos on your on your YouTube channel. What, what's what does that look like in terms of opportunity, um, Jace? Yeah, so kind of kind of coinciding with the Utah's predator management and and the opening up the cougar hunting um, apex outfitters that I guide with. We do a lot of bear and lion hunts, um, which for now lions there's there's still good opportunity for those in the state. But you're going to want to jump on that fast if you want a cougar from Utah because that's likely going to get very hard in the future but bear they've been giving more tags they've opened up a couple units to over the counter so there's you can get a spring bear tag and come hunt black bear that's april 1st through may 30th um usually they're not out of hibernation until the last couple weeks of may like the last three weeks of may are your prime time to hunt spring bear but there's several units you can buy over the counter tags on and several really good draw units and Utah has some of the biggest genetic bears. Um, the world record black bear is from Utah. And then a lot of the, the top 100 are, are from Utah. We have big skeletal structure bears. They might not get 700 pounds like they do back East eating out of the apple or whatever, but, but we have giant, giant skulled bears. So really good opportunity for bear in Utah. And what's the, uh, like specifically on the spring season jace what's what's kind of the culture there is, is most of the hunting done with dogs or most guys spot and stocking them what what does that look like yeah so pretty minimal spot and stock hunting right there's a couple of units that that there's good opportunity and and likelihood of finding a bear with spot and stock but m- the majority of our spring hunts are hounds 
Yeah, and that's just a function of the topography and the vegetation they're in. Yeah, yeah. It's not like, I mean, parts of Idaho or Montana where you've got these great big logged areas with unlimited logging roads to run and look at that green grass and yep. we, we don't have much of that so yeah i i don't know how you feel about it jace i feel like dog hunting bears is one of the most underrated hunts i i, I think it's fun <clears throat> oh i i love it it's a riot and and guys i know that there's even within the hunting community there's mixed emotion on it anyone who who thinks that lion hunting or bear hunting behind hounds particularly bear hunting is like a canned hunt or whatever because you're shooting yeah. out of a tree at the end. They've never done it. I mean, I've I've done some serious hiking hunts. I mean, the the wrangles in Alaska for doll sheep and some of our desert sheep here in Utah, some of our Rocky Mountain hunts, you might put 25 miles on in cliffy country in a day. I've the most physically beat down I've ever been on, I think, is bear hunts. Yeah. I mean, them things. A bear is physically capable of outdoing a dog every time. It's yeah, just... that uh, yeah, and I and I'm I, you probably have more experience with it, Jace, but I, I've hunted lions quite a bit, and you know, to me, you know, once you get dogs on a lion, pretty good. Like, you know, there's real good chance you're gonna it's gonna get end up treed. It's gonna be in it. You know, the, you're the, yeah, the dogs might be on a track for th- three hours, but that's they had they just haven't got to the lion yet. But with the bear. It's like a whole different deal. It's like they could actually be interacting with the bear for a long time. Oh, yeah. There's, I mean, one of the worst ones I've seen, we were on the San Juan unit and it was just an absolute monster of a bear. We had him jumped for over two hours. The dogs were walking with it. I hiked in and tried rushing the bear, got to like 10 feet of it. It turned and rushed me back and I got behind a pine tree and yeah, we ended up never catching that bear. The one dog, the best dog that we had in that pack went like, it was like 22 miles into the desert down this long, just cliff Canyon yeah. following this bear by himself before he finally got tired and left it and turned around and came back. He just was whooped. It's just yeah. incredible. We were on that bear for 16 hours. It was ridiculous. Yeah, dude. I think, I think you nailed it on that. It's It's too bad. Like you say, even within the hunting community, there's kind of like this negative connotation around it because it's, it's a fun hunt. And I mean, the reality is even beyond that, like you get a bear treat or you get a bear in the rocks or whatever, you can always decide not to shoot it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you're, you're up there looking at it from close quarters and bears, man. I mean, I've guided a lot of them and they're still like spot and stock. They're, they're a very hard animal to judge, you know, how big yeah. they are. But there, when you there's got a one, reason that, I mean, bait guys, they put, they put a barrel, they put a 55 gallon yeah. drum with a mark on it to say, okay, this is a shooter. You're right. There's, there's no better conservationists of predators than hound guys. I mean, you tree a cougar, you tree a bear, you can yeah, look thoroughly, at it. thoroughly break it down and make sure that it's the caliber trophy you want and before you harvest it. So sure. But yeah, man, cool. Well, I think we, we covered it, right? Yeah. I mean, Pretty solid. One more thing. I, I just glanced back. I was kind of reading through the, the notes as we're talking and back to elk. Utah did make a late season archery hunt for this year. It's a brand new thing. Okay. Um, just a quick mention. I I believe one tag will go to non-residents on these late season archery hunts, but they're only going to give five permits on the majority of the units. I think there's like two units, like the Central Mountains Manti and the, the Wasatch. We'll both what, what have are the, what are the dates? 
So it's December, what is it? December 2nd to the 17th. Okay. And it, so it's like, it's, an it's, like archery a win- hunt. it's like a winter range hunt on the archery with archery. Yeah. Yeah. Very late huh. season. There's going to be snow. The bulls will be in their winter range. Um, likely crunchy snow on the ground. It's not going to be necessarily an easy hunt, but it will be a very high stock opportunity hunt. You're going to see a lot of bulls because they're on the winter range. They're easy to find, but right. Not an easy bow hunt, but that's a new thing for this year as well. But yeah, dude, that's an interesting one because that's that's kind of a new one. It, like in, not even just to Utah, right? I don't know, and I could be naive, man. But there's not a lot of other states offering that, like a late season archery hunt. Yeah, I mean, I know Arizona has really late dates for some of their rifle hunts, but I don't right. think they have an art. I don't know if they have an archery only. They might. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this this is a really late archery hunt. It's kind of a. A cool could, opportunity, that be, but it's, yeah, that'd be way fun. Yeah, super minimal tag numbers for now, though. It's kind of in a testing sure. phase. They're gonna try it out and see how it goes. So five units or five permits on almost every unit. So not many tags. It's it's gonna be it's just a trials thing basically, but just something to be aware of. Um, yeah, other yeah. than that, I I think that's about it. All right, sweet dude. Well, we we covered a a ton a ton, and I think. Uh, People out there will, will get a lot from just your coverage of things. Um, yeah, man, let people know where they can follow you, Jace, and keep in touch. And, you know, if they wanted to reach out to you about, you know, about guiding, they drew a tag, uh, let them know how they could get a hold of you. Yeah. if So if they want to get a hold of me, um, Instagram, it's JDG Sheds, S H E D S, is my Instagram handle or Apex Outfitters. Um, big part of that so they can reach me there or jay skyman hunting on youtube and they can message me there so whatever's most convenient and be happy to answer questions try to help people get their tags and then if possible help guide them if not point them towards a guide that i i respect and trust and think could do the best job for them so gotcha yeah so so these folks that that are like looking at these like you know real hard to draw tags you're cool with them hitting you up before jace or whatever Oh yeah, for sure. Cool. Yeah, I, I can talk strategies, draws, whatever. So yeah, feel free to reach out. Good deal, man. Thanks for being on. Yeah, thank you. If you want to keep in touch with me, get on my website at pursuitwithcliff.com and sign up for the newsletter. Check out my YouTube channel. It's just under my name, Cliff Gray. And you can follow me on Instagram at Cliff G-R-Y. Thanks for listening.